Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. This episode starts with a short interview with Carrie Cook, creator of Spleash Your Leash, a super cool product where a portion of the proceeds go to organizations that support survivors of domestic abuse. From there, I provide an example of a few platform exercises that can be done on your walk that strengthen the bond, elevates your commands, and eliminates the need for the sit command. This last month, I attended the Comparative Cognition Society Conference, so I'm going to talk a bit about that. And I'm also going to provide him an example on how we often underestimate the intelligence of dogs. Lots of info and fun stories packed in, so stay tuned. Hello, I'm Billy Grimm, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. And I'm so excited that today I have with me my guest, Carrie Cook, who is the creator of Spleash. And I'm just going to let her talk about it because it is such a cool product. It's really hot right now. And actually, Carrie and I met on Clubhouse. Hey, Carrie, how are you doing? Hi, Billy. Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, we've been in a couple of the same clubhouse rooms because you are an entrepreneur and also your entrepreneur product, as mine is, is dog related. So tell us about it. What is Spleash? Spleash is a uh, spray leash handle and it attaches and becomes the end of your leash. It holds 12 ounces of water and it can spray at least 14 feet. Um, has a flip open cup so that you can spray water into the cup and offer the dog a drink one-handed while you're walking. No need to grab anything else. Um, you can also spray any off-leash animals who may um, come up in an uh, unfriendly manner and spray off paws, the back of the neck, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a handy tool to take on every walk. Oh, that's really cool. I never actually thought about some of the other reasons for it as well. Uh, 14 feet, that's that's pretty far. Yeah, and that's the minimum. Um, we're shooting uh, to provide more defensible space for you and your pet while you're out on a walk. And also um, to have enough spray power to, um, you know, do a good job of cleaning off paws, either I if you're out. Right. Yeah, if you're out walking and you need to spray away some fertilizers or, you know, if your dog was playing on a grass um, area that, you know, had some recent fertilization dye, you just give them a quick spray before they come back in the house. And um, yeah, it's very handy. And like I said, because it's attached to your leash, it becomes the handle. You're not likely to forget it when you go on your walk. So people can attach it to their own leash? Yes, it fits most standard size rope, leather, and nylon leashes. Um, the rope uh, diameter uh, needs to be under 15 millimeters, but uh, it, it will fit up to or down to a four millimeter rope leash. So it goes down to very small, um, fits all you know leather uh, leashes and nylon as well. So it it can go on the loop end or you can load it anywhere down the leash length. So if you are still doing some training and need to have a short leash, you can load it 
part way down and then just put the loop end around your arm or, you know, hold it with the grip so that it can be shorter. That is a good thing that you brought that up because sometimes I do, depending on the client and how we're working and leash work, sometimes those uh, larger handles can be a little uh, difficult when we're when we're working with the dog. So that's interesting that it can be, it sounds like you've thought of everything. That is great. So what does it weigh? Obviously water weighs some amount, but what does it actually weigh? Yeah, so empty, completely empty, it weighs eight ounces. It's incredibly light for how sturdy it is. And we've done some pretty intense testing to make sure that it would be sturdy and safe with your dog. Um, we ran over it with a, a, a Ford F-150 and we wanted to make sure that if you dropped it while you were out walking, um, if it ended up you know, going for a ride with your dog, if you let go and it was bouncing behind you, that it wouldn't be a one-time use type of product. So we did run it over um, and pick it up afterwards and show it still holds water and sprays. And um, we also wanted to make sure we made the connection to your leash super strong. So once you load it into the leash and you hear this click, um, both buttons on the side of it pop out and become flush with it. And you know, you're loaded in properly. You can, um, we pulled a truck with it. So, um, we loaded my, my, uh, nephew actually loaded it on, uh, to a rope harness leash and we pulled a Toyota truck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so see, it is really, really multifunctional. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very strong. And and um, it's important to note, though, because a lot of times when people see it for the first time, they think it's a retractable leash. It yeah. doesn't come with a leash. It's meant to work with your favorite standard size leash. Yeah, to me, that's one of the huge benefits. It's sort of putting everything else that people might take on their walk with them into yeah. one easy piece. So the most important question, does it come in multiple colors? It does. Right now, it comes in um, two colorways. We have an orange with, um, it's mostly black handle with orange accent bus buttons and uh, the same with the teal accent buttons. And then um, coming uh, hopefully very soon back in stock will be the color grip models that have a little bit more orange and teal on the handle. So um, those are our color options. We're, we're considering coming in with a black, full black with gray buttons model um, in the future, if that's something that folks would like to see. But right now we're just limited to the two colors. And answering your other question, I, I forgot to say that empty, it's eight ounces, but it holds 12 ounces of water. So even it's, it's a lot like just carrying a, a regular water bottle as far as the weight goes, it's not that heavy. Huh. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. And where are you located? Um, I'm in Carlsbad in Southern California. Huh. And yeah. Huh. So it's okay. warm here. And where can people get, get Spleesh? Spleesh is available on Spleesh.com. And um, we will hopefully have it in on an Amazon store in the coming weeks. But right now it's just Spleesh.com. And and you ship everywhere? Or? We we ship to the United States, Canada, uh, um, the UK, most of 
uh, the EU, Australia. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, for now, that's it. And the unfortunately, we do cover shipping for standard shipping in the United States. But if it's outside the U.S., then shipping and handling is um, on the person who would like to buy it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Bringing it up. It's just launched a few months ago. So we have a long way to go before we can get worldwide distribution all set. But Oh, I think it sounds great. And your website is great. It's just, it's fun and it's informative. That's Spleesh.com. And anything else you'd like to share with us, Carrie? Well, I just think it's super important um, both to help keep your dog hydrated while you're out on walks, when it's warmer, and even when it's cold out. Um, people don't think that the dog needs as much water while they're out walking when it's really cold, but and in the snow. Um but it's incredibly important to keep them um, hydrated and uh, in the summer in particular to avoid heat stroke. Um, it, there's just no, no reason to let that be um, a potential. So bring your splish, splish your leash and um, help avoid that. And then also if you're going to any dog parks or places that have, you know, very friendly leaving water out, um, be mindful that there could be different diseases um, being spread by uh, the dogs like Giardia and leptospirosis to try and bring your own water with you. Um, and uh, you have your built-in flip open bowl on the splish that uh, allows you to give your dog water all the time. Yeah, that is so great. So it's it's convenient and it's easy and off you go and, and do your thing with your dog and keep your dog hydrated. Exactly. Leash your leash. I love that. That's awesome. That is so great. I'm so glad you could join us today, Carrie. That is just the greatest. Oh, just some of these things are so fun for dogs and it just allows people to comfortably and confidently do what they want to do with their dog. Yes. And, and one other thing that we um, wanted to be mindful of is making it convenient to still do things with your hands. I know your listeners can't see, but you can put your hand through and like tie a bag off or um, it allows you to keep a good handle on your dog while you still need to use two hands for something. So um, that's also uh, a really nice benefit for it is. Yeah. So I was just watching Carrie put her hand right through the center of of the splish and it it looks like it's heavier than it is it looks really solid it looks really funky yeah and, um yeah you can put your hand right through the center of it the same you would as a, a loop on a leash exactly yes yeah that's so awesome that's so yeah. great well thank you so much carrie it was really great having you here today and i'm sure i'll see you around on on clubhouse and keep in touch i will thank you so much billy for having us on you're welcome take care bye Bye. I'm going to segue right into an exercise you can do on your dog walk that elevates your skill set. Do you rely on the sit command to achieve your reset command? Your reset command being stay or wait? If so, a walk is a great opportunity to ensure your dog can reset without requiring a sit. Is it horrible for your dog to sit? No. The sit command is a great way to quickly and easily teach that a command has an action and is rewarded that can become bonding and has many benefits, especially for puppies. So why do we need to wean out of the sit? 
The sit command can increase unwanted behavior if it frustrates the dog or the human during a difficult situation such as leash reactivity. By trying to achieve the sit, it's really simply impulse control. A standing reset combined with a release command changes perception and harnesses the cognitive skills. It's also a much stronger transferable skill. We can read the dog better when they're in a standing reset, and it is more likely to provide calm manageability in more difficult situations. If your dog likes walks, it presents a great way to teach a standing reset. Remember, with cognitive behavioral therapy, we are not always fixing a problem. We are establishing core or platform skills that reach the cognitive side of the brain and provide us with transferable skills. If this is all gobbledygook to you, I suggest listening to the first four episodes of this podcast. A common practice on a walk is to get your dog to sit before crossing the street, and often a treat is given. It's not a bad exercise, but it's stagnant, and it can lead to a routine more than anything else. So let's change that routine. Start farther back from the side of the curb, because it is often difficult in that moment, because it's so ingrained, and we don't not want to be forcing the issue of unsitting the dog by physically pulling the dog out of the sit. This isn't the point. You're not going to unsit your dog physically. So maybe start a bit farther back, do a standing reset, and then release up to the curb and do another reset, and then release and go across the street. It's as simple as that. Does your dog wait until you move at the curb? In other words, is your dog focused on your feet moving? If so, this can be a problem. You want to be able to move your feet without your dog moving while he or she is in a standing reset. Why? Well, what happens when the food delivery guy comes to your door? You need to be able to have your dog in either a sit or a standing reset, walk up to your door and open your door, and you don't want your dog moving when your feet move. And a common exercise is putting the food bowl down before releasing a dog. And so you probably have your dog in a sit, which is fine, or a standing reset, which is better, and then walk your feet over to where you put the food bowl down. If your dog moves, it's difficult to complete that exercise. And it's actually a really good exercise, and it happens a couple times a day commonly. If you're not consistent and you're trying to get your dog to stay at one time while you move your feet, whereas another time you let your dog move while you move your feet, it's very confusing for a dog. Another opportunity to teach the standing reset is when your dog wants to sniff a tree, for example. Can use your leash to help you achieve the reset. Relax on your leash and make sure your dog is in a reset and then release to the tree. You can advance this by walking to the tree before releasing. And that's very similar to the food bowl routine. Now we're just switching the reward from the food bowl to getting to the tree. Remember, do not separate your exercises. These are not just to tick the boxes. Think about how they're transferable to different situations. Again, if this is gobbledygook, go back and listen to the other episodes. Why is this important? because it changes your dog's perception of you. What does this mean? Well, try the exercises and find out. Cognitive behavioral therapy requires application. That's the beauty of it. Use your creativity and apply it and see the changes. Learn to read your dog. You need to adjust and adapt the exercises to suit your dog and your lifestyle and the level you are at with the exercises. It depends is a valid response when asked questions about working with dogs. I'm going to talk more about this in the next episode. So be sure to try these exercises. And if you're saying to yourself, well, it depends when I would use that, it's okay. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to say 
that your exercises might be different than someone else's or when you use them or what your dog does. The most important part is to read your dog and to try them. So follow up with me on Instagram. It's Upward Dogology. You can send me a DM with questions or feedback. I hope you enjoy doing them. So on a quick note, I had the opportunity to take part in the Comparative Cognition Society four-day conference a few weeks ago. It was uh, on computer. It was sort of like chat room style. It was amazing. I'm a member, so I was accepted into this event, and it's a yearly event. It's called uh, CO3, and everyone in it is a PhD student or a scientist, except for me. <laughs> and it's not just dogs. It's many species that they talk about that are performing uh, studies and talking about cognitive abilities of all these different uh, animals. So it's super fun. I really enjoyed it. And of course, I made a point of participating in the dog cognition room. There were about 12 people in the chat room. A lot of the people in the chat room are the organizers of a group called Many Dogs, where they perform uh, studies on different cognitive abilities of dogs. And they actually use real people and real dogs especially since COVID. So if you want to apply for that, you can. You can go to their website, manydogs.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. So they were discussing the reward that they were going to use in their next uh, st case study, which is on pointing, the ability for dogs to recognize pointing. And they wanted consistency in the reward. So many of you will know where this is going. Because their text test subjects are real people in homes with family pets, I suggested using different rewards so that the consistency being the dog's individual perception of each reward. I suggested having the people rate different rewards, such as, for example, from one to 10 on how their dog views that particular reward. 10 being super motivated for it, having the consistency where all the dogs that did the exercises using the level 10 reward were in one category, and then all the ones that used a level five reward in another, so on and so forth. And of course, being scientists, this completely rattled them. <laughs> they, they were, ah, we can't do that. There's no consistency. There actually is, because it's the dog's perception that's most important. One of the scientists works a lot with scent dogs. And she actually made a really good point. She said her dogs that she works with, and she noticed while working with scent dogs, that they prefer toys over treats. So then a toy would be a level 10. Additionally, a renowned canine cognitive scientist in Germany popped in and said that he believes that the dog's perception is the most important factor. He also talked about in, in uh, Germany, they, they tend to be in, in his studies a little more abrupt when it comes to commands. And so the dog's perception of them might be viewed perhaps differently than in other countries where commands are not quite as abrupt. So then this spiraled into a conversation on dogs' perception and how this is so important. And for me, this was just really great. So the best part of this was when one of the science, scientists, who actually works with birds now, but at one point was a dog trainer, said, yes, Billy, isn't it interesting when science catches up to what professionals in the real world already know? I'm going to leave you with a dog logic point. A foster dad in Mexico that I'm helping out for one of the rescues there said that the woman who runs the rescue organization lines up all the crates and the dogs and then puts food in the individual crates and releases the dogs and they all go into their individual crates. And he was blown away, impressed by this. It is a great way to get calm manageability and especially with that number of dogs. 
but really I don't find it all that impressive. If you think about it, dogs know which home they live in when you walk around your neighborhood. When you take them for a walk, they don't go up to every single house. They know which home they live in. They also know dogs live in other homes, and we can tell that because when we pass by the yards, they're looking for those dogs. Dogs understand the concept of an area and placement. That's why trainers use placement training. They, they can understand that. They know what is where and what happens in different areas. So this was just an example to encourage you to correlate your dog's behavior with other behaviors and how they process our world and how we can harness those abilities in our everyday life. My interview on the podcast, The Animal Innovation Show, was released this month. There are various different editions of it on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, IGTV, and different blogs. So you can check out the show notes for those links. They're also uh, going to be linked into my Instagram account as well. And stay tuned for my interview on the Vet Blast podcast with Dr. Adam Chrisman. Next episode, I talk about conversations I had with three professionals that brought clarity as to why they struggle with understanding my methodology. It's very interesting. I also have another great guest on that show, so be sure to tune into that one. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share and provide a rating and review. Please follow Upper Dogology on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on LinkedIn, I'm Billy Groom. And please DM me with your feedback on those exercises suggested for the walk. And remember to splish your leash. For more information on Carrie's passion and mission, please visit the links in the show notes. Thanks to the Jeff Murdoch Band and Open Strong for the music. And most importantly, enjoy your learning journey.